Good morning. How many of you are glad that you're here this morning? How many of you are glad to see me this morning? <laughs> I was just fixing to say, I'm sorry you stuck with me again. <laughs> I'm so thankful to be given the opportunities. That, uh, I've had, I had a pastor one time said, I'm not going to be there on Sunday night. Can you preach for me? I said, I sure can. He said, well, you didn't think about it. I said, I've never said no to God, and I never will. And I told him, I said, I never get up in the morning without being ready to preach. As, as most people think, preachers, you know, their job works Sunday, Wednesday, and that's it. But that's not true. Preachers are on call 24-7. And guess what? Our retirement plan is excellent. <laughs> anyway, this morning we want—I want to look at a couple of things. We want to start out in Revelation chapter two. To the angel of the church in Ephesus. One through seven. Oh, I'm sorry. One through seven. I'm. <laughs> To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not and you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. Or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Yet this you do have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are again thankful for the opportunity to come and open your word. Lord, I pray now that you would set, my, set me aside, Lord, and just use my voice as yours. Lord, I pray now that you would be with us, lead us, and guide us. First in Christ's name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, where to start? There's a lot in that scripture, and I've had preachers that, preach, that I know that preach out of Revelations all the time. I'm not one of them. Revelations puts me out of my comfort zone. And if you do what God tells you, guess what? You're going to be out of your comfort zone. But I want to look at just a couple of things. Although this, I did have a biscuit left over from a meeting this morning, so I could go on for 
quite a while today. I don't have to worry about getting home for lunch. Anyway, what, what we want to look at is we know that our church, and I'm not talking about the whole church, I'm talking about our congregation, our family here, we're going through a rough patch. We, in turn, must be diligent because we'll be, soon we'll be gathering a nominate a uh, pastor search committee and it'll be their job to locate a candidate that is truly God sent and God called. I know of preachers that, and the sad part is I know them personally. I know preachers that have taken jobs in churches to make another step on the ladder. Oh, I went to college for 10 years. Well, I'm glad you did. So now I've got to make my money back. I looked at one and I said, you need to stop right there because apparently you weren't God called. A preacher never was promised that he would be a wealthy man. If, that's, if it's true, then somehow or other I missed the boat. God has always provided for my family. I've never had to worry about that. Have we run close sometimes? Oh, yeah. There's been times when I, walked, when I got up out of bed in the morning and I just got on my knees and said, Lord, you know what we got to have today because we don't have it. But we don't need to focus on the person themselves. Because I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of people out there that are standing on a street corner that are preaching. There's a lot of pastors in churches that are preaching God's word, but they have no connection to God whatsoever. We lose the fact that the best Bible knowledge, the people that's got the most knowledge are those who have no relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to get into an argument with an atheist, he'll know more Bible than you ever thought about. I ran in. I know Muslims that, that can quote scripture better than uh, people I've ever met. But we have to be careful who we follow. And I'm not talking about following what it, I'm talking about who we follow follow as a spiritual leader of our 
congregation. People think that, oh, the preacher, he does everything. He doesn't. His primary job is spiritual leader. If you're a deacon, raise your hand. Is that all of them? Of course, I can't tell anyway. <laughs> See those hands? Those are the men who are to take care of the business aspects. They're to lead the church in the business. If, a pa if you find a pastor that knows what the treasury, what the treasury, what's in the bank, who tied, who didn't, call him out. It's not his place. Church has a treasurer and secretary and a board of deacons or elders, depending on the denomination. Their job is to handle financial issues. Do they handle it all by themselves? No. Does the church vote on most of them? Yes. But that's their job. The pastor's job is to lead the flock that he's been given spiritually and to follow exactly what God has told him to do. We watch these preachers on TV and everybody says, why do you watch them? I said, well, everything's good for a laugh. A preacher that stands there and tells me, oh, preachers are supposed to have everything they need and everything they want while he's telling me, send your money to me and help my ministry grow while he's wearing a $5,000 suit and $20,000 worth of jewelry. I'm sorry. Let me give, let me send my money to a congregation that's working. The hardest working churches in this country are these like ours right here. Small, not huge mega churches. Do they have more members? Yes. But 99% of the hard work are, is done by churches with less than a membership of 300. Because I believe that a church that size, their pastor knows the hearts of his congregation, and the congregation knows the heart of their pastor. If you've ever played a team sport, as they say, there's no I in team. A church is a team. If there's conflict, then the team doesn't function well. I have been in churches where there was conflict. 
I was an associate pastor of a church where there was conflict. And basically I was told I was the conflict because a member didn't want me there. So guess what I did? Three weeks later when God gave me my answer, I resigned because I didn't want to block the work of God in that congregation. I am a firm believer in congregations keeping a very good check and balance system of their pastor. As we go forward, we also have to remember what, the church, what our first love is. Our first love is not having a bivocational or a full-time pastor in this church. Our first love is Jesus Christ. If you've walked through those doors and you have an issue with somebody in, in this congregation, your first love slipping away. Are you going to love, you can, look, there's a, there's a country song that says, I love, I love, uh, I love half the people I hate or something like that. I mean, I love my family. There's a lot of them I just really don't like. <laughs> we have to remember our first love. Beth knows that when it comes down to it, it's God and family, not family and God. Christ comes first in our house. It has ever since we've been married. And thank goodness, because if it hadn't been, I would probably be somewhere in a room by myself, because once you once you get a disability, your kids don't come to see you anymore. No uh, I would have been by myself, nowhere to go, no way to get there. But God sent her to me, and we we promised each other that we would put God first, so we could keep our first love in hand. There's very few women that would marry a man who tells, you know, there's a very good possibility that I'll be blind before too many years. Anyway, well, how do you know that? I did. Because I, I told her. I said, if you don't want to be with a blind man, if you don't want to marry a blind man, Now's the time to leave. She's still here. I couldn't run her off with a stick. And I'm thankful for that. Everybody thinks, oh, it's so funny. 
It is. I could sit down and cry about not being able to get in the car and drive anymore. I could cry about not being able to cut my grass anymore, which, by the way, I had kids so I wouldn't have to cut the grass. Guess what? I've cut the grass all my life. Uh, but last year, this past summer was the first summer that I had to give the grass cutting up. And I thought, well, now I don't have anything to do. That's not true. God gave me something to do. One's five, one's two. And 90% of the time, I figured that I'll be bald by the time the two-year-old is three. I'm getting there, brother. <laughs> but we, uh, as grandparents raising grandchildren, are now trying to teach these grandchildren what their first love needs to be. It's our place as parents. It's our place as Christians to show the world who our first love is. We cannot show that if we're in conflict with other Christians in the body of Christ. Everybody says, oh, well, you know, I don't have to talk to so-and-so or I don't. That's not true. I have yet to find a person that I couldn't get along with somehow. More than likely, it's only because of the grace of God. Because there's a lot of people that I would love to step my foot on top of their head and just mash until it stopped. But through my first love, which is Jesus Christ, I have been able to deal with most situations. As a church now, as we start the new process of looking for another pastor, we have to remember our first love. Because a preacher that walks up here and stands in this pulpit I'm going to tell you, if he doesn't feel that the first love of this congregation is Jesus Christ, he's not going to stay. He's not going to want to stay, and God's not going to let him stay. When I was studying this week, trying to figure out I was everywhere but revelations, because God was telling me to pr that this is what needed to be done today, and I was saying, no, I don't want to do that. But, like I said, I'll never apologize for what God has, ha has to say. So as a church, we know now that the only way we're going to prosper, and I'm not talking about just bringing in hundreds of people I'm talking about
prosper in our faith, in our business, and churches do have business, in our ministries, is to remember our first love and put it first. We have, we have a group at the racetrack today, right? What are they there to do? They're there to minister. They're there to show their first love. Now, how many of you know people who say, I'm a Christian, who are at the races today just so they can act a fool? I know several And when I said, hey, you know, of course, uh, sooner or later that camera's going to sweep that crowd and I'm going to see you with that beer in your hand. Oh, well, now don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not getting into drinking. That's not what I'm getting at. But if you're there and it looks bad and a Christian, and think about this. Every time, and I try to tell people, I said, think about this. When you're in that crowd and somebody sees you, think about your preacher seeing you. Think about the Sunday school teacher seeing you. I said, what's the first thing that's going to cross their mind? Yep, they're there to act fool. That's good old country language. I mean, you know, I grew up with I grew up with a grandmother that said, you know, if the leaves are turning inside out, it's going to rain. Well, normally the leaves are inside out when it's raining. Anyway, we will as a congregation get a chance to vote on a man of God to be spiritual leader of this congregation. I try not to use the word church because church is so broad in perspective. Congregation is what we are. We're a gathering of Christians to be fed the word of God. And to do the work that he has us to do. Beth, have you got the next scripture up? Revelations 1.11. Which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. To Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, and I know I'm killing these words, okay? Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I know that's wrong. Revelations 1.11? Did you write it wrong? I must have got the wrong one. Which one you want? That's okay. Just go to <laughs> Ephesians 3.14-21. through 21. 
blind man wrote down the wrong thing. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth <clears throat> and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God <clears throat> now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever amen We are a loving church. How many, how many people this morning, somewhere between the time you walked in the door and the time you got in here, had somebody tell you, I love you? If you didn't, find somebody and tell them you love them. In order for us to maintain our love for each other, we have to maintain our first love. A pastor will not, a, a man, a preacher will not take a church if he doesn't feel that there's love in the church. And that's from me talking to several pastors. They said, Oh, well, I was, you know, they, I've, I've been offered churches, but I didn't feel the love and I didn't feel the spirit. So God said no. We cannot be that church. We have to be the church that loves everybody. That don't mean you have to like them. But we have to love everybody. I've got a son who says, He's gay. You know how many times I talk to him a year? Once. Because he will not come around, he will not call, he will not talk, because he knows my stand on what he says he is. He knows that I, can, I do not condone it and that he's biblically wrong. He knows. Because he was brought up in church, he knows. He also will tell you that I taught him what the Bible said about him. Hey, for a long time, I was known as the gay-hating youth pastor. And I had never said I hated a person in my life. But because I taught the Bible and what the Bible said and what God said about it, I hated them. Because, you know, you get this comment, 
well, God made me this way. My favorite answer was, God don't make junk. So, you know, that was taken out of perspective. Oh, we're junk and we're garbage. We That's not what I told them. But I still love my son. Because if I turned my back away, I would do him a disservice. I would do me a disservice. And I wouldn't be showing the love of Christ. Even though every time I see him, I tell him he's wrong. That's my job. Through the love of Christ, I get the chance to tell my child, you're wrong. I never have seen him since he supposedly came out. I guess that's the phrase. Uh, I've never seen him that I don't tell him, you know you're wrong. Do I need to show you where you're wrong again? And, oh, I need to go talk to mom. Okay. I try to show love to all. Now, it is hard at times, especially when you go visit a, a, per, a person in the hospital and you say, okay, well, they're fixing to have surgery and you say, okay, can, let's pray before you, before you go into surgery. And a family member turns around and goes, this is, this is a waste of time. Really? And you and and the family member calls herself a Christian. Are we as a church showing God's love through us every day? Are we keeping our first love or are we letting Daily duties keep us from it. If you are, and there's no other way to say it, if you're if you are holding back the step, the forward motion of God's people in this congregation, I pray that God takes you out of the way. Because in order for God's work to be successful in our community, we can't have the stumbling block in the congregation. God loves us, and I love all y'all. But... When it comes down to it, I'm going to stand with God. I'm not going to stand with a person. Because people hurt you, God won't ever leave you.
My first love will always be Christ our Lord and Savior. I hope yours is. If it's not, you know, today is the day to make it that way. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much at all to get it that way, other than the fact that you got to throw all your sins at the feet of Jesus because he's already been crucified for him. He's already been buried for him so he could beat death, and then he was resurrected to give us life. And who who doesn't want the chance to live in, in, in a place that is more beautiful than anything you could ever imagine? With the one and only God who created us. It ought to make you happy. Ought to give you a little pep in your step. Does me. Because... There's a lot of days like yesterday when we had to move our camper from the property that it's been sitting on for a year now to the, to the house and we had to hire somebody to do it. That's very disappointing and when I could have done it by myself if I could have seen it. So in closing this morning, just three things. Are you keeping your first love first? Have you let the business of the world take you from your first love? And three, are you following man who will teach you wrong or are you following Jesus in his path that we are supposed to take as our musicians come and Mark's hiding in the back